podcast, Ice Cube has tweeted some fairly offensive things, and we don't condone everything Ice Cube tweets. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome back to another episode of the Hip Hop Dialectic. I'm your host, Barrett Holmes Pittner, and I'm with my other host, Scott. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Scott Badnock, uh, resident hip hop expert or something. Awesome. And so um, today we're going to focus on another Ice Cube song. Uh, this one has a slightly different tone, and it's focused more on Evtopia and not Ethnocide. And so today we're focusing on It Was a Good Day. Today was like one of those fly dreams. Didn't even see a berry flashing those high beams. No helicopter looking for murder. Two in the morning got the fat burger. So, uh, Scott, why do, uh, why do you think this song is so important? Well, I mean, you know, obviously everybody knows this track. So, you, you, you know, it's, it's worth noting. And it's not one of those throwaway tracks. Like, this wasn't, wasn't some poppy, like, Ice Cube sellout track, even though this is the probably the track everybody knows you know um yep. but it's also it's on this album predator that you know we we spoke of in the first podcast with his this is his evtopia so we talked about what the the bad day looks like and what what ethnocide on a daily basis looks like for black folks in america this is what a good day could look like and it's actually incredibly poignant in what Ice Cube's sort of depicting here, and that this is like the best day he could think of. And so for SCL and our, our linguistic philosophical work, it's, it's interesting because once we bring the word ethnocide into the space, people connect with it, it resonates with them, they understand it, and rather quickly they realize how like all-encompassing ethnocide is. And so one of the first things that happened to me as I would talk about ethnocide, they'd want to know what's the word for like doing something that's not ethnocidal or living outside of ethnocide. And so I then was tasked with finding or creating a new word for this. And so the word that we at SCL use is evtopia and it's spelled E-U-T-O-P-I-A. So it looks like utopia. And people at first thought that I just spelled utopia wrong and put an E on the front, um, but that's, that's not the case. Uh, the reason for the pronunciation is that in Greek, the U is pronounced like a V. Um, and we just, in English, we see the U, we pronounce it like a U, but in Greek, it's pronounced like a V. And so saying evtopia instead of utopia, um, it's easier to distinguish between the two. Um, the other thing that's quite important is that if you look at the word historically, uh, Thomas More, who created it, the meaning of the word doesn't mean good place. We use utopia to talk about a good place or like an ideal, perfect place, but that's actually not what it means at all. And so what Thomas More did in 1516 is he got the Greek word for place, which is topia or topos, and he then got the Greek prefix eu, which means good, and the Greek prefix ou, that means non-existent. And he cut off the e and cut off the o and put that u on topia to create a new word that means good place that doesn't exist or a non-existent good place or some people even call it no place um and so if we live in a society that's trying to like create good places and you know live in a good place and we don't even have a word 
that means good plays, that's a, that's a very clear impediment in our capacity to make that place. And so at SCL, when people would realize that America has all this ethnocidal oppression and division and ethnocide impacts like every facet of our life, then the realization was we didn't even have a word for good place. And so now we use Evtopia to describe good place. And, you know, so it means good place or sustainable good place. And so, so that's Evtopia and this song is we feel Ice Cube's um, depiction of an Evtopian day, and so that's why we're take that's why we're dissecting it. Yeah, it you know it's it's a beautiful song that I you know I think that everyone has you know who who's listened to it and and enjoyed it and and sort of put it on their you know playlist has you know gravitated to what a general good day is, which is having a good breakfast with your family. You know, after getting to sort of sleep well, going to play a game or two indoor, outdoor with some friends, have a really good day of those games, then go out with a significant other, have a good time, maybe even, you know, have some relations, and then basically go to bed and have a great day. Who doesn't like that day? Everyone who listens to that says, this is a good day. You're right, Ice Cube. Um, but there's obviously challenges throughout and, and he yeah. sort of, he, he, uh, layers his lyrics with, um, little, little booby traps or, or, you know, little inflections that point to, uh, the reality of ethnocide all around him and that it's actually the absence of the effect of ethnocide on his life that made it a good day and that's what you see throughout the lyrics and it so that it goes from sort of kind of maybe a fluffy song about everything working out today to pretty poignant perceptive track about just how hard it is to live as a as a black person in america yeah so you want to pick a couple of lyrics to like to to highlight that point well sure yeah so the the immediate verse one moment is he says Will I live another 24? Right. And the fact that that after a good morning, right, a nice morning where his mom cooked some really excellent food with things he didn't like, kept out, wasn't woken up by by a dog barking. You know, he's feeling good. The air, no smog, meaning he's got a clean day. And you're in L.A., you got a lot of smog days, days that you had to stay home or indoors because the air was so bad. He didn't have a daylight. He had a more he had a perfect morning, right? But yet, out of nowhere, boom, he's thinking, Will I live another twenty-four? And so it's hit with you know, I mean, everything why what environmental element that, that he describes there should have spurred that consideration? That mortal consideration on such a nice morning, right? The, a consideration that most Americans would never have on a regular day. Like, oh my God, am I going to die today? That's something that most Americans experience maybe maybe once or twice in a lifetime. Right. This was already a mundane thought for him. Exactly. Go further in the verse, like clearly, well, I love another 24, it really jumps out. But then, you know, he's driving his car down the street, looks in his mirror, not a jacker in sight. He's like, no one's trying to rob me. No one's trying to steal my car. 
another great day, you know, another, another, another component of living in a good day. And so like so much of thus far and just the first verse, we're talking about what's good is the absence of violence that's anticipated. And I think that's quite telling. It's also the metamorphosis of the public space that's supposed to be safe into what is a war zone. And, you know, that is a thread that Ice Cube develops throughout and most gangster rap does. But the mirror, looking in the mirror, this is something that white people in America do every day when they're driving. But what do they look in the mirror for? The intended purpose of the mirror to see if other cars are there dangerous, dangerously and maybe you need to move around them. Mm-hmm. Why is Ice Cube's action to look in the mirror? What's it driven by? Because he's probably being pursued by predatorial forces. It's no longer just to check about like, oh, can I change lanes? Right. So even the mundane of looking in a mirror now is fraught with mortal terror and the fear of a pursuit a predator and prey scenario, and it is the absence of that predator, in this case, the jacker, right. that provides for some respite, some R&R in his day, and therefore, it's a good day. 100%. And so, and, and you can see this, this theme where, where the capacity to engage in the mundane is what makes, makes the song a good day. And I think we think the mundane as being just baseline, not actually good. Good is a tier above that. And what he's talking about is the capacity to do what what most people consider to be mundane is a, a day that's so good that he needs to make a song about it. Yep. Now, there's a couple other interesting things that, you know, he says right there. He says, brothers every way like mj and this is another thing he talks about how much wasted potential there is in the art in these areas that you know a a number of them get out and end up being professional stars either basketball or like him a a rapper but he frequently comments on how much uh, incredible potential is in the the everyday uh person is in his community that is sort of squandered and overlooked and that segues to verse two which is a whole bunch of his friends hanging out sort of aimlessly in the middle of the day. And, you know, maybe it's a weekend, but we also know that unemployment is, is endemic in these, in these neighborhoods and which would cause a lot of potential gang affiliation and, and, you know, activity because if you don't have a job and you don't have another source of money and this thing is providing that it's also providing protection and a fraternal sort of vibe, it becomes attractive. And, and so he, you know, this is how they would hang out. And of course, they would also play a lot of dominoes and other other sort of games, basketball included. And this is, again, engaging in the mundane, things that should have been normal stuff. But the fact that he's able to do this with his friends, and he wraps it up with this critical line, plus nobody I know got killed in South Central LA. Today was a good day. Nobody I know got killed in South Central LA. Today was a good day. And the fact that he has a communal sense with these, all these other gentlemen, and he realizes that, that he could go ahead and have a, a day where he's, he avoids the, the police and the violence of the system. But if he found out that one of his friends were to, were to be killed that day, 
it's no longer a good day and for good reason right, right. You, it's hard to have a good day when a friend dies and, and so one thing i would like to add is you know the and it's easy to overlook and but you highlighted it is how so many of his friends he's talking about how they have talent and potential and it's just being overlooked there's no there's no avenue for them to exercise this and that just speaks to ethnocide where like if you have division in society because the goal is to exploit one group of people in perpetuity there's no incentive to to give them uh, resources to maximize their potential because they exist to be exploited in this society and so you know having people you know be you know being around idly by and not have tools to enhance themselves is what the system is built to do. And so like that, that right there, that shows ethnocide where when you live in a space in a society that's based around exploiting people, they're not going to cultivate structures to maximize um, potential and to give people resources to better themselves. It's more, keep you confined in this space so that when time comes to be exploited, we will do it. You know, like you will, you'll get to be exploited. And so like if, and, and you'll be prevented anymore. from doing the things that we don't want you to do right. as a, and, you know, as a dominant society. Exactly. And like playing basketball, like this mundane action is probably one of the few opportunities that POS community get to show that they can excel at something like this is that that time where you get to express yourself and and have that communal support and encouragement and and you know connectivity yeah. and, and and we must bring up the the famous line fucked around and got a triple double last week fucked around and got a triple double and and it's to this point that you know ice cube saying that look at all this potential like he wasn't even trying and he had a great day and there are people like him and there are famous stories you know, all up from, you know, I'm from Chicago and you know, we had all kinds of stories about incredible players that were better than Jordan type stuff that never made it out of the hood. And same with, you know, when I moved to Detroit, people there, New York has endless stories, the goats that came out of there that never made it, but should have, you know, and he's pointing to that here. This isn't just a throwaway, like, oh, look at me, I'm Ice Cube. I threw, I was messing around. I got a triple double. Like, no, he's like, this is, look, there's so much potential here just being squandered on, on dominoes and sitting around. Right. And, you know, I will say the key thing it's not that playing dominoes or sitting around is bad per se. No. It's that if that's the only thing you are really allowed to do, right. because there's not structures that allow you to do things to maximize your potential, then that becomes something that's problematic. Yeah. Well, in fact, the system has actively driven you into essentially a cave because every time you come out in public, you're a target, right? right? So, so and, and there's safety in numbers. So it would be easier for people who are feeling like they are at risk every time they're outdoors that, and there's no job opportunities available. Of course, you're gonna hang out inside. You could play some games, right? right? It's like a snow, it's a snow day. Like, yep. You know, but the system had set that up where you were at a dead end, a, a career dead end, um, an opportunity dead end. And so the safest thing you could do was sort of hunker down with friends. Yep. You know, just chill. Uh, just chill. Right. So, and, you know, I think verse three is really important because for a number of reasons. Um, but first of all, which is that, you know, 
whitewashing is the classic tool of American history to take out the bad things that have happened in history or, or limit them. The fact that the Greenwood Tulsa massacre is not taught in every single school at every level of American history is an absurdity. And, but it is also an intentional absurdity that is whitewashing. This is the history of whitewashing. Well, in that same way, we will not whitewash. And verse three is one of those moments where we can say, you know, that hip hop has had a, uh, a significant meaningful flaw in its depth of misogyny and the level of, of cruelty and uh, domination that has been spoken to and sort of exacerbated by hip hop lyrics. And this, this verse definitely goes there. Um, the, the, the subject of his, his focus is someone who he's had a nice sort of date with, but then, you know, it becomes very carnal and it's very much uh, objectification of women, which is, as we all know, a common thread and, and a common criticism of hip hop and, and a valid and, and, and real one and one that we should reckon with. And people like Ice Cube should, should own that this is something that, that, that we've grown out of and was inappropriate then, but is particularly inappropriate now, and we should do better. Unfortunately, that's also part of the milieu of our society, and, and so this, these lyrics are there. Um, I don't even care to really repeat them. Everyone most, mostly knows all the lyrics of this song uh, by heart because it's been at every party forever. But, you know, I think that is an, a, a critical part for us to own as, as hip hop people. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I'd say a key component of like critically analyzing it is like if, you know, we live in an ethnocidal place, which is based around objectifying people on, in mass is, is objectification. And the idea that mass objectification wouldn't spread to facets of your society that might not have been the, uh, the initial intent or could have manifestations that weren't you know, directly intended or, or created by like colonizing forces is just naive. One of the key things about hip hop in this conversation is, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Scott, about whitewashing is, like this type of human objectification that we're talking about is just something that is spread throughout America in every facet of existence. It's just that with uh, white Americans or white music, when it comes to objectification, there's already like a machine, an apparatus to whitewash it and make it seem as though like it's not something unsavory. And, you know, but clearly with, with the growth of like the Me Too movement and all sorts of stuff talking about the systemic objectification that happens in like corporate boardrooms and, and, and fraternity, fraternity and sorority culture and all sorts of facets of American life. There's been a whole agenda of whitewashing this uh, objectification of women throughout our whole culture that also bleeds into the rampant objectification of African-Americans, other people of color, which then happens twofold when it comes to uh, women of color. And so when it comes to rap music and the, these conversations, it's, it's quite complicated because the hope is that Black people will have, will have found a way to protect themselves from this culture of objectification and we won't objectify people within our culture. And that's a hope that we all should have. 
it's not something that's going to work as we hope it will because of just how prevalent it is. And I think when we look at how white culture whitewashes their oppression, oppressing of women, it makes it easier to think that like we're that we're not learning oppression from them and that it's something that is is manifesting within our community, which really isn't the case. And so I think and this is not any way condoning objectification, but when it comes to rap, we're always the first apparatus that gets chastised for objectifying people because it's black people should should know not to do this because apparently there's an idea that our society exists without doing this all the time. And then we don't have the, the whole systematic infrastructure to whitewash what we're saying. And so it's like, we're, we're equal parts defenseless and we have an expectation to be better than how our society has actually ever been. And so, yeah, yeah. Like, it, like you're the green mile, like you're all the dude from the green mile. Right. Like we're and so you're Dick Halloran from The Shining. Like you're, you know what I mean? You're that special either. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I like there's definitely like a a narrative in the U.S. theatrically of there's like a like a, a divine black person who absolves the sins of white people and black people kind of have an obligation to be that person. (laughs) And that's clearly a narrative that white people have created for their own benefit that has nothing to do with the lives or experiences of black people. And so I think it's quite important for the hip hop community to continue having these conversations. I think one of the parts of this, the goals of this podcast is to take that conversation to like another level so that it's not just a, a constant circular discourse where we chastise ourselves without chastising the systemic structures that are influencing us and influencing everybody in it to behave in ways that if we, you know, that we wouldn't want to behave. And so. One ad- absolutely. And one additional layer to that is that men writ large just need to deal with their shit. Like, there's a there's also that layer that that me, I mean like cumbia I love cumbia music it's a Colombian sort of this just excellent sort of type of deep music and and you know it's deeply misogynistic in its lyrics it's it's brutal I I'm a big Fela Kuti you know fan a lot of that stuff is so so misogynistic right there's the, that that layer has has a universality where for whatever reason men for hundreds of years all over the world have decided that they just get to treat women like. And it, it's it's unacceptable everywhere, um, but it has certainly been more than acceptable here. It is still the de rigueur. I mean, think about any time you see an advertisement with a beautiful blonde woman for basically anything, you're still exploiting severely misogyny, right? That this is that's all that is. There's the only reason why that beautiful woman is in your ad is because we're still down with misogyny deeply. Yeah, and I, I guess what I'd say is. Like with any society, if you're taking a shortcut, exploitation is the way that people go. You know, that's not sustainable. It's not wise. You need to have philosophers and people with wisdom to encourage people to not take these types of shortcuts. Because I'll say like, as a man, 
one of the things that you realize probably like in middle school is that you can smash things like like everything that you like if you are in a bad mood you can smash it you got testosterone flowing through you and you can just smash anything like most of the friends you make as a guy in middle school are because you got into some sort of fight playing a sport and then you said you know what that guy's he's capable of punching me in the face i think i'll be friends with him and like that's mm-hmm. just how it works and so like i think there's it like it reminds me of when i learned karate as a kid the goal was to learn karate so that you don't do karate and so so like as a guy you have like there's this realization that you can you can smash everything you want and until someone has like the wisdom to tell you that it's better for you not to smash things even though you can you'll just think about breaking things and and come up with some narrative to make that be like a good thing and i think at the same time you as a guy you're physically stronger than women around that age you used to start developing you know like in middle and elementary school you're all about the same physically but around middle school and high school that physical difference happens and you need to have wisdom and 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 a philosophy that makes you not do dumb stuff with these new capabilities that you have and if we don't have a society that has wisdom d- disseminating for like men and women to let people know about this type of stuff yeah. everyone's going to be encouraged to do you know the shortcut and i think like america yeah. with its clear reliance on exploitation and oppression that's being meted out by you know colonizers and and you know the the descendants of colonizers to physically harm people with guns and whips and whatnot there's an obvious narrative to incentivize people to just go around smashing things all the time dominating <laughs> like that's dominating. it yeah so ice cube sort of finishes off that way really clearly because he says basically what his dream would be is to be known everywhere as a pimp right when he said his famous line you know he looks up and he sees the goodyear blimp and it read ice cubes of pimp even saw the lights of the goodyear blimp and it read ice cubes of pimp right so the the level of attainment that he was seeking was that domineering control you know psyche and so this leads us nicely to i think the what's really important about the song which is that when you're in a world like that, um, when you live in a in an ethnocidally oppressive state, that violence is being born upon you at any moment, it's very difficult to have evtopian thoughts. It's very difficult to imagine a better world. It's very difficult to turn your creativity to something that doesn't include the the tragedies that you're seeing all around you, right? You're, you're inextricable from those tragedies. And I think that that is very similar to where we are now in our societies. Again, 30 years later, Ice Cube's words are still relevant that we haven't done that work as a society, as communities to describe and manifest very specifically Utopian realities, a dignified, a mutual dignity amongst all humans, a life that is driven by peace and and love, 
rather than domination, destruction, superiority, um, and those sort of constructs. And so the best day that Ice Cube in 1992 could come up with was a day that he just wasn't violently harmed by the ethnocidal society. And that's really sad. That's horrifically sad when you really think about, you know, that this is, this is a song we all sing of like, today was a good day. Like we all had a really good day today. And his best day was he just didn't get killed and one of his buddies didn't get killed. And he didn't have to pull out his AK to try to save his own life or something. And he was able to eat some food and move around. Yeah, and he was also able to play basketball with people who, in a better situation, could have been playing basketball professionally for a career, but they're only playing basketball at a park right now. And, exactly. And, for no and, money. And also, like, a, a key thing that, you know, and you touched upon this, Scott, but he can't think about what, like, an utopian space would look like because of the ethnocide. So what he ends up having to think about is how can I dominate space so much that I protect myself from the inevitable violence. And then from that, now I will be able to create consistent good days. You know, like you can see with his conversations, his relations with, with, uh, with African-American men in, this, in the song, they're very fraternal, equitable. We're playing basketball. We're, go, you know, we're, we're going, we're playing dominoes, whatever. It's just equitable, chill, not, nothing uh, domineering. But when it comes to women in the lyrics, it's definitely like I'm exerting dominance. There's an objectification. And that is due to like the necessity of like finding dominance in the space. So almost as like a protective mechanism to claim territory, you have control over something. Like if you live in a place that's yeah. complete chaos and you are always looking behind you, like you are going to try to find control someplace. And tragically that can be, like exerting authority over another person because you can control that thing, you know? And that's, that's like a tragic shift of that, what happened to people's minds when you live in such a, an oppressive space. You can't imagine what existing without that oppression looks like. And then the, the manifestations of liberation, like, you know, a Goodyear blimp saying that you are a pimp is just a another replication of the oppressive structure you live within but since it's you who's doing the oppressing you will think that it won't be as bad because you have the power and right right that clearly right. is not is, a scalable thing it, it's the it's the this is water phenomenon like you know the fish doesn't know they're in the water right because you're in the water right and 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 we're we're living in the ethno side and, you know, it, there is sort of this horrific moment where if you don't wake up, you don't have this moment. But once you wake up and realize that these systems are continuing to perpetuate atrocities and intentionally so, it's a, it's a, it's a horrific moment. And it is a long way to fall for people who believe that their systems are fundamentally good and righteous. Right. And that they're forefathers were fundamentally good and righteous and that's a long way to fall and, and i'll also say you know to go with the concept of whitewashing what whitewashing does in many ways is it corrupts language and disseminates propaganda and so like this song right here when people hear it you hear it but you don't really the lyrics don't register right off the bat like 
you hear the cadence, you hear the chorus of it was a good day, and you think that that good day is a good day that looks like how most people's good days are. You know, this is a, yeah. the idea of it's being a good day. Somebody that's rich who, you know, lives in a gated community and now doesn't have to worry about all sorts of violence. They can listen to this song and not get Ice Cube saying he's having a good day because like people in this community, this is like the rich gated one, aren't trying to harm him with their like right. private prisons and their like unhealthy yeah. food and their, their, their policing. So, you know, this is where Ice Cube as a lyricist, like you have to look at him as a, a you know, a great poet. And in that his ability to project this image of what he wants this, this set of lyrics to mean and that on its face, you take, you can very easily take that. But then a deeper look, you find it's actually 180 degree from that facial understanding you had. You know, Hemingway did that famously in, in uh, The Sun Also Rises. You know, The Sun Also Rises was inferring that the sun set. Why would you say also in that statement? So the whole point of the book was that the sun set. So he was always sort of, there was a, a, a deeper sleight of hand sort of that's going on that he wants you to see, but only if you really look. And, you know, the fact that most people think that this is just about a good day is a perfect example of that he succeeded in this. Then, you know, if you had any illusion that he was, you know, being naive about about what life could be like in this, you know, Evtopian version of his reality, the very end of the song, you know, after there's about 30 seconds of that incredible Isley Brothers beat that everybody just loves. And you're just like, God, this was a good day. I don't want this good day to end. They, they go on. Like, let's start this whole thing over. And he goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Stop this shit. What the fuck I'm thinking about? Hey, wait, wait a minute, Pooh. Stop this shit. What the fuck I'm thinking about? Right. And the song ends. Meaning this was a daydream. He was able to have this recognition that this was all a foolish ass daydream that would never even happen. Right. So even his, his best day, which we found out is actually just a mundane day for everyone else, is actually a totally unrealistic day. And he mm -hmm. has to own up to that. But that even in his best day, scroll up to verse one, what does it say? He's still thinking about, is he going to live another 24? So even in his dream self, he's already limiting himself as to, can I even survive? Right. And, that, and that's, that's shows the pervasiveness of ethnocide. When you create an entire civilization that's structured to oppress a whole, a whole segment of the population, which, you know, if you look at the South during, you know, slavery and whatnot, it was like 50%. During Reconstruction, a lot of the South was like over 50% Black. So just think of how authoritarian and systematic you have to structure society. And this goes to like city planning, education, just the fact that like not even the planning of the cities, but like where the city's located on the, like where they decide to put the city and then structure it. All of this is built into how do you oppress people at every facet of their life. And that's what ethnocide aspires to do. And it gets to the point where it's, it seeps into you so, so deeply that even in your dreams, all you're dreaming to have is a banal day where the constant threat of terror that you anticipate doesn't arise. Not that it doesn't exist, but it doesn't arrive that day. And Just then- and then you realize 
that that's just not possible. It's not realistic that he was going to get flashed with his lights by the cop or followed for a little bit or or given some sort of moment where he's worried about violence being exerted, exerted on his body, on his personal self. Or one, finding out one of his friends died. Right. Which speaks um, to the, the, the protests and stuff that's happening across the country. And, and, and think about this. Ice Cube has afforded himself a chance to dream here. And as I just mentioned, even the dream is, is tainted by the ethnocide. But it's a three-minute dream, bro. And he stops it dead at the end of this track. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He won't even give himself three minutes to imagine that false dream because it's dangerous for him to let his guard down and think, hey, maybe today I'll just get through it. Maybe I don't have to check my rear view mirrors today. Right. Like it's not exactly. If he imagines Evtopia and tries to live Evtopia, he may not survive the day. And highly likely he wouldn't. Right. I mean, think about if he assumed, so Evtopia, maybe this is a perfect moment for me to say my version of what I think it is, but, you know, I know you have many words to sum Mm -hmm. this up and and much better than mine, but my understanding is it's living in communal dignity. It's that we've all accepted and acknowledged our own inherent dignity as human beings. It was instilled in us the minute we took our first breath and that when you live from that space, you get to create beautiful things together and you can actually create that peaceful world. And so what he's experiencing is the exact opposite environment where dignity can be fostered and honored. His world is one where he is treated as a threat and therefore the forces against him are constantly a real threat. And there's no dignity in feeling like the bottom could drop out of your life at any moment. Walking right. around with that level of fear not only is not dignified, but it also creates lasting, severe trauma, something that we often don't discuss about our black communities and the level of severe medical levels of trauma that have been born and are, con- are currently there and have not been treated and are not being dealt with whatsoever. And also is a part of why a person like Ice Cube acts out in some of the ways some of the violence that a gangster rapper embodies is, in, in my mind, very clearly the rage that you embody from being in a system that is, is thwarting you in every, in every turn and, and making you uh, less than a hu- the human that you are. Yeah, 100%. We, and we talked about it with, regarding the other song where we see Ice Cube now um, as this nice comedian who does the, does the movies for the kids. You know, like Ice Cube, the tough guy who's talking about this stuff, you can see it's based on the environment that he was forced to be in. Now, if you put him in an environment where he just gets to be a person, now we get to see a completely different type of person, a person that many people probably would have not even imagined existing before. But that's because you don't provide people, if you don't provide people with opportunities to express themselves, and only create structures for them to be exploited in perpetuity, they're going to act as if they don't enjoy that exploitation and that they're angry about it. That's just That's right. logical. Um, and so the, the song that we, we did first, you know, When Will They Shoot, right? You know, 
Cube has that way with words, but he also knows how to just put it like it is. Right. When? That's not an if question, right? If right. and when, we always say if and when, if or when. No, this is a when will they shoot. And and that that clarity comes through this song as well, which is that, you know, it's it's going to happen. The inevitability of violence upon me is, is going to happen. And it's foolish. It's a fool's errand to even consider that it won't. Right. It's a dangerous errand. Imagine what it would look like. Ice Cube one day goes out because we're living in a dignified world, right? He embodies it. Doesn't have his guns on him. No guns, right? Mm-hmm. Top down, bumping whatever music he wants to bump, mm-hmm. cruising around, smiling at everybody, sees a cop, cheeses at him, right? What's up, man? Nice to see you. I'm living in a dignified world. This is what I do, right? How far do you think he would have gotten his day acting in that full embodiment of dignity? Not far. Not far. Like, I'm just envisioning when he parks his car at the park, you know? So someone might try to steal his car then. Also, the cop might follow him to the park and ask him, you know, where's the car? You know, let me search your car. Is this your car? All that kind of stuff. So I will say I'm a peculiar one where in D.C., you know, not now, but a couple years ago, there'd be cops and stuff around but they wouldn't be as tense as now. And I'd always just like walk up to the cop and be like, hey, what's going on? Like, what's this? My friends like, you just walk up to the cop. Like, yeah, I'll just walk up to the cop. Eh. And, you know, my thinking was, it's so rare that this happens that uh, like I'll be able to get away with it. I'm just going to walk up and out. That's the black one. Hey, what's, what's this about? You know? <laughs> and so I could see my friends just think that was crazy. Like, you're just walking up and talking to a cop like they're a person. I was like, yep. I'm pretty sure I'm like one out of like, thousands that are interested in doing this but that's that says everything where like people don't feel comfortable just asking a cop a regular question and not think that that could be something threatening to them and so like just that exchange of ice cube seeing a cop and saying hi to them it's pretty much understood in america that if you do that they'll find still think that 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 is suspicious that that elicits a problem right why is that black guy so happy? Why is he talking to me? He must be on drugs. Yep. What, what's going on here? Doesn't he know that I could kill him if I wanted to? Why is he doing this? Like, that is, that's the narrative that, like, resonates throughout our, our society. Which was codified as stop and frisk in, in many places and, you know, it's obviously exactly. still allowed in many others. Well, I think we're good on this song, man. I think I've touched upon everything I want to say. We could talk about all day, but we've, we've, we've gone from top to bottom and I think pretty succinctly and clearly show that his good day is just something that people should be afforded naturally in society as like the foundation that then we build upon. But within America, we make it so that this type of day is something that people aren't allowed to believe is even possible. Absolutely. And, you know, I'd like listeners to have one more thought about this, that the next time you hear, because you're not going to hear when will they shoot. Nobody plays that. Nobody plays it. But you should go listen to that song. But it was a good day. The next time that pops on, when, when we can go back to bars and hang out again, when that pops on, think a little deeper about what he's saying. Recognize it wasn't just a good day. And then, in fact, while this is a fun song because of that Isley Brothers beat, this is truthfully 
one of the sadder songs I think that you'll actually you could you could come across when you really think about what Ice Cube's saying in the song. I, I I think that's a perfect way to end it. So thank you for listening to another episode of the Hip Hop Dialectic. I'm your host, Barrett Holmes Pittner, and my co-host is Got Bad Knock. See you next time. Bye.